Hey everybody, Joe Murray just sitting here on a Friday afternoon. Hope everyone is enjoying their uh, their Friday. Uh, I think it's well, it is Friday. Sometimes you have to remind yourself that. Uh, but a lot to talk about today on the podcast. Uh, Brandon Cooks on the move again. Uh, Bill O'Brien gets a ton of flack for the trades that he's made, but uh, the Rams. Not very smart when it comes to that one, so I'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, I'll be joined by James Stewart of 98.5 The Sports Hub and the highly rated Wrestling Inside the Ropes podcast, him and Mike Riley. Of course, this was WrestleMania week, so we'll get his thoughts on that. Uh, The horse odds are out. I'll tell you my favorite. That will begin this Sunday. Uh, I believe ESPN will broadcast those. People will be uh, live on Zoom uh, doing the uh, the horse tournament uh, i'll have some musings and i'll tell you what's going on this weekend and highlight next week's show and guest uh, i'll bring in my guest today his name is james stewart he is from 98.5 the sports hub he's a 20-year radio veteran and the host of the highly rated uh wrestling inside the ropes podcast with mike riley happy friday to you jimmy Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me on the show. 20-year radio veteran. Boy, and I don't look a day over 60. All right, so I do want to get your radio story in a little bit. We'll, we'll, we'll do all sure. that. Um, my, so read we get my to, book. Uh, I know. When, actually, when, that probably will happen. We'll see who you who you write that with. I'm sure you could find maybe a local wrestler or, or maybe not even, maybe, maybe a famous wrestler. I could do a What Happened When uh, podcast on my radio career. Um, I'm in on that but this one just off the bat today jimmy for all those wrestling geeks out there um you know the the old best of luck in their future endeavors we know what that means from wwe effective today wwe and the revival have agreed on their immediate release from wwe we wish them well and all the best in their future endeavors uh the revival one of the hyped up to be one of the best tag teams uh had a great run in nxt why didn't it work on the big roster there, Jimmy? Because Vince McMahon's vision of them was different than what Hunter's vision was of them on NXT. So when you go from NXT, which is the fan-friendly, everybody's there to have a good time, to Vince McMahon, we're sports entertainment, how can we change you up? That's where the difference is. And for all the great matches that the revival had in NXT, like name me a bad match in NXT and they're more wrestlers than they are characters. And so that might not fit in the Vince McMahon world of raw and SmackDown. So my whole thing with the revival is this, like they've wanted out for a long time. This, this shouldn't be surprising. I know you and Mike have discussed that on your podcast, but they just let them go. And now we know that there's another promotion here. If you see my t-shirt today, um, all elite wrestling. Well, they just pick up other stars that are cast offs. I mean, you know, Brody Lee's getting this push now. Um, you know, Chris Jericho, obviously, Cody Rhodes, and you know, we'll, we'll Matt see. Hardy. And they, I was just going to bring up Matt Hardy, who's now going to go John into Moxley's the champion. Boom, you know, and Sean Spears, if you want to, you know, bring him up as well. He's, you know, coming Perfect along, 10. you know, that coming along. But my whole thing is this. If WWE finds these great talents and hires these great talents, why can't it work out? But yet they'll go there. They'll fight the young bucks. It will be the biggest thing going on. It will be talked about for a long time. And 
I mean, they that, that was a spoiler. Years ago, they said they'll be fighting the Young Bucks. That's going to happen. I don't know what the next pay-per-view probably for AEW or two down the line. They just, I don't understand how they can't hang on to talent, but yet AEW can all of a sudden make it work with these guys. Uh, it. I think it's part of the creative process of WWE. I think WWE is just hoarding talent so that other people don't get them. But if you come to WWE, are you getting a push? Are you getting creative input? Is your cash okay? Like there are people who are just happy re-signing and getting paid to sit at home. I know this is fact. There are others who you can offer them a whole bunch of money, but they want creative input because that's who they are. That's who they want to be. They want to have fun at their job. And if it's a little bit less money, that's okay to them. Uh, Matt Hardy and Brody Lee have both publicly said on Chris Jericho's podcast that they got offered a ton of money to stay and they chose to leave. And it's not like you know, they're, we're going to be holding bake sales for Matt Hardy and Brody Lee working at AEW, but they wanted to go out and be creative and show that they can be stars. Uh, John Moxley was the same way. John Moxley was counting the days until he got out of WWE. I listened to uh, Taz do a podcast recently and Taz was offered a new contract right before WrestleMania. He's like, no, nah, man, I want to go home. Like I'm tired of Vince yelling in my ear. I'm tired of um, being micromanaged. And there are people who just feel that way. Like they just, they're fine with money and they can tell the boss, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go somewhere else and do that. Or I'm just going to go home and live financially independent, which that's kind of the American dream is to be financially independent, isn't it? Very, very true there. Uh, Jimmy Stewart. But 90... Joe, can I, Joe, yeah, can go I ahead. ask you a question? Go ahead, of course. So what do you think about AEW taking all these WWE people? Is there a criticism to be levied at AEW where they're supposed to be the young roster that um, um, that's new and different, and yet their top people, their top performers, their top wrestlers are – Jericho, Moxley, Matt Hardy, Brody Lee. Well, I just think that they're taking all Jim the... Ross is the voice. Yeah, yeah and, and Ross is different, but I think that they're taking them and, you know, you just talked about freedom and, and flexibility and creative control. That's what AEW is all about, right? And, you know, the fact that these guys can go there and be themselves, like John Moxley, he was, he was fine. He was fine in WWE. He didn't have to change anything. He just didn't like the way things were for him in, in the schedule, as you mentioned. He goes to AEW, and now he's the champ. I mean, you know, he can be what he wants to be, work when he wants, and I think that's the thing is, like, one's the country club, the other people think is the big stage. I think at some points it just really does come down to, you know, what what's most important to you, and it sounds like at this point it's about that that freedom. So that's why I think AEW is making it work. Uh, Jimmy Stewart is here. He's from 98.5 The Sports Hub. He's also from Wrestling Inside the Ropes. we get got some chats coming in. Uh, people can join the show. Send in your chats. Uh, people are still waiting for the, Orge, uh, the Edge Orton match to wrap up. That was pretty long. People saying, what's up, Jay Stu? Our buddy Rich Shirtley, boots to asses. Uh, want to talk a little violence uh, with love violence, need more violence in my life with uh, Jay Stu. Uh, the thing I would say about the Randy Orton Edge match is uh, it didn't sing to me, but I mean, Bret Hart called Edge and said it was one of the best pieces of business he's ever seen. 
So Edge took that and was like, if Bret Hart's calling me and saying it's beautiful, then okay, like I'll go with that because it sang to Bret Hart. It didn't sing to me. And that's, that's I think, what, what people in wrestling don't seem to understand is uh, the, the ice cream shop that had, had chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, uh, mint chip, um, all these different flavors of ice cream. Wrestling is a variety show. So Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley sings to me. Um, Randy Orton and Edge didn't sing to me. Uh, the Firefly Funhouse sung to me. Uh, Undertaker and AJ Styles sung to me. The Gargano Champa match the other night, like the story, like the violence, but didn't necessarily need it edited and shot like an action movie. Okay, and that's what WWE does, right? They they're good at making movies. I do want to get into WrestleMania. We make uh, movies, pal. <laughs> Damn it, we make movies. Uh, I don't do a good Vince. You do. Um, so I do want to get into more wrestling stuff in a little bit. But Jim- God damn it, Joe. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Stewart. This is good shit. Big Game James, <laughs> as uh, I knew you as growing up. 20-year um, radio vet. I've been in. I'm going on my 13th year now. Um, obviously, you've been at uh, two of the biggest radio stations in the world, uh, both here in Boston. It's funny the other day I had some some Twitter hack be like, who's this James Stewart? The hell's he know? And I just was kind of like, dude, like Jimmy's been in radio for years and like has done it all. So I, I you know, I know you're from Newton. I know you went to uh, Newton South. I don't know where you went to college. I know we hang out and I don't even know this stuff. I'm a northeastern kid. Okay, so you went to northeastern broadcasting degree? Is that what you went for? Communications. Communica- okay, communications. And how'd you get into radio? Um, I applied at WEI, uh, September of 2000. I was 19 years old and I knew where I wanted to work. I wanted to work in sports radio. So over the course of 30 weekdays in August, uh, I called, I sent faxes. And then finally on the 30th day, Uh, I called the program director, Jason Wolf's office, and he answered, I think mistakenly so. (laughs) And I said, hi, my name is James Stewart. I go to college. Um, I'm looking to get in. Can you help me out? And he said, yeah, fax your resume over to me. So I get on the computer. There's a little fax app on it. I fax the thing over. I get a call uh, two days later from Steve Chaccio, who is the morning show producer of Dennis and Callahan with Mita Perel. And I go in and I interview probably a few days later, maybe a week later. And I dress up and get a suit and go in. And I'm sitting in the waiting room at 116 Huntington Ave, the 10th floor. And I'm sitting next to another kid who's trying for an internship. And we're just kind of shooting the breeze. And uh, I get told, quote, when uh, Chach came out, I get told, you're way too effing dressed up for this gig. And my heart kind of sunk because, like, this was so important to me. And, like, I, you know, I dressed to the best of my abilities for it. Go through the whole conversation. What are you, what are we going to do? What my responsibilities would be if I got hired and so on. And then I got the call saying that I was hired. And 
started uh, that September, September of 2000. So you like probably then, did um, like board internship with. What's that? Well, I was going to say, so you have an internship and then what a move to a board op. Yeah, I interned with, uh, with John, Jerry and Meter and it was more doing, um, they had a segment called Headlines. Oh, yeah. So I'd get in at 530 in the morning and I'd roll tape off of sound clips for, for the, from the news. Uh, and then, you know, some clips that John Meter Perel might need. And then when I was done with that in, in uh, December, I transitioned over to working with um, Ordway and Pete and uh, Andy and Brett in doing uh, an internship with the big show. And then that, when that was done, I started doing overnights and part-time work. And, um, you know, I was working with Boston College Athletics for a while. I was doing Red Sox games. Uh, I did Ted Nation, Dale and Numi, Dale and Holly. And, you know, that's the quick version of my resume to where I, how I got to the sports hub. Um, quickly, you were doing middays, uh, Dale and Holly, you were a big part of that show. Uh, wrestling was also a big part of that show as well. At least they, you know, Dale, Dale was into it. But my question to you, when the sports hub came out, were you like, oh shit, this is, this might be like my next move. You know, did, did you think that you could move up at EEI at the time or was it just, all right, this is the next fit for me. I'm comfortable working with, you know, Tony and Mike. Um, obviously with Mark as well. And, you know, it was, it was somewhat of a seamless transition, Jimmy. I won't lie to you. So when the sports hub got announced, I remember thinking, wow. But I, so I thought 1510 was going to be a player cause they had the Celtics. And at the time that they started, I didn't understand radio signals and I came to understand it because I couldn't listen to the Celtics games with Grandy and Max yeah. because of, where I lived, I had to drive closer to the ocean to get that to get that um, radio signal. When the Sports Hub was announced, I remember saying to my boss, wow, like they have the Patriots, they have the Bruins. It looks like they're gathering some talent. And they got a shot here. Either we're going to be as good as we think we are and have been, or they're going to expose a lot of weaknesses that we have, we being EI, because that's where I was at the time. Um, and just like when I'd say that to people, they'd be blown away, like where the where the best there is. Nobody's going to come in here and do that. That was the vibe that I got while nobody actually said that. Um, so then there was, um, I had a, I, I thought I was going to be an employee there for life. And I thought I was going to move my way up the ladder and you know do all those types of things. It was September of 2010. Um, so keep in mind, I I, I became sport in March March 23rd of 2011. So mm. in September of 2010, I had um, an annual review with my boss, and one of the questions on the review was, "Where do you see yourself in five years?" And I had a vision of, you know, hopefully getting a promotion, moving up, up somehow, whether that was PM drive, whether that was a management position. And I said, the question more importantly is where do you see me in five years? Cause you're my boss. And he said, well, you're, you're an excellent midday show producer and we can put you a bunch of different places. You've got a lot of versatility. So 
we, I, I see you as staying pretty much where you are. And that's a paraphrase. Mm. Um, so I kind of put that chip on my shoulder. And when the opportunity to jump and be promoted to afternoon drive came from another station, I looked into it and thankfully I got it and um, proved somebody wrong in their evaluation. And uh, who knows, Jimmy, those things could still be happening in radio these days with all the changes and what's next. And uh, obviously the, it's been a, a, you know, Marconi's, you know, you just keep adding to the resume at this point. I won't keep kissing your ass here. I won't, but uh, I do want to ask this, um, you know, I, people think that like, there's this like battle, like, you know, there's the Monday night wars and the, now it's the Monday night wars. It's not like that in radio, at least for, for us, for me, it's not, you know? I, I I have friends at EI. You have friends at EI. Like we, you know, we respect those guys. I'm actually like it, it does. I still don't understand where it went wrong for them. I think it might have been the Bruins coverage, but for you, a guy who was there and then moved on, what, what do you think happened there? Was it is it management or is it? Because to me, I still think if you have good content, you can be successful. I, and I think the content is good, but what happened in your mind? What happened at EI? I think over time, tired of the same voices, and they sampled something new on an FM signal uh, that was clear. And um, there are a lot of things. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start with people tried something new. Uh, FM. Yep. Remember, the year had start on FM. And then it was split over, EI had split it over AM and FM. Yeah. Um, I think the production level at the Sports Hub came through as being, um, yes. you know, those are some very simple things. I think you also had FM skewed to a younger audience. I think that having the Patriots was key. I think that the Bruins like here here's here's Bruins hockey and yeah. you, you um, didn't you didn't make jokes of a Dale, you didn't make really? jokes of like a, a hockey hockey talk minute here we go here's a here's a minute of hockey talk okay let's move on hey the there, holly hockey minute here market it was it, no, it, but I it think, was I think the Bruins the the Bruins winning the cup early in in 2011 helped greatly the Patriots being good and um, all the stuff that was going along with it. And you had Toucher and Rich that was reaching a younger and a different audience. Um, Tangway and Zoe, everybody loves Zoe. Uh, Tangway you would see on TV all the time. You had Felger who was well-established on TV. You had Maz who was well-established in the market. So from six to six, you had something that was different and something that was new and it had um, the FM sound. It had a better signal. The production value was higher um, things of that nature. And you had the play by play rights. And then like after the Bruins win the cup, the Red Sox have this collapse and which by the way, I called, um, I have the email proof of that. I knew they were going to collapse that September. And then you have Theo and Francona leaving. And then you have John Henry, coming into our studio because he's listening 
to us on the radio. So you had this whole momentum shift of things because uh, everybody's looking for something new and something different and something that's, you know, our energy was, our energy was a lot higher. Um, I, I think uh, I could go on and on, but yeah. I mean, right. how, how long do you want me to go no, no, on this and is, on? This, it's good. I, I wanted to get inside your head. You, you answered my questions, but, but I, I do want to say this for the people who listen. Um, we do respect what they do. We like what they do. There. I mean, one, one of the, one of the reasons why I was so interested in, in jumping was Felger has against the, the Montreal news station after the Chara hit. Yeah. Like I remember sitting in my car for the whole 30 minutes or so of that. And that was really like the moment where it clicked, like, wow, they're just, wow. <laughs> All right, now there's some chats coming in. Uh, I'll just leave these up here. And, and you don't by the have to way, I don't want like these are just like my no, like um, I don't want to bury them because uh, you're not. I, you're not. I spent ten years. The, yeah, the first they, 10 they, years of my career. Yeah, there. you you owe a lot. And, you owe like, a lot these to them. Are my honest you know? evaluations of what I thought and how I felt. Yep, like, a- absolutely. This is just my experience. And my absolutely, opinions. and and um, again. I, and not to cut you, it just for me the same thing. I, I I respect everybody over this. This isn't a this isn't me shitting on you. I don't think we're shitting on EI. This is where you came from. You plateaued from there, and now you're at Felger Mountains, the number one station in in uh, you know in Boston and in the country as well. So I think I think you you know a little something there, Jimmy. This isn't this isn't you uh, attacking anybody. But and because and and one thing that I want to state clearly for the record is that if if I don't know Mike in tone because of their time over there like i don't i don't have this opportunity like felger came from 890 worked a year at ei and uh he was the number one fill-in and writing stories and i garnered at least he remembered my name enough so like oh hey he's interested um you know and and mark bertrand also um, was a big advocate of mine. Uh, Mark was an intern of mine at EI and he was doing updates and Mark and I would spend once a month, we'd go out and get drinks and just shoot the breeze. So when the opportunity came up, like Mark was a huge enemy and that can't be understated how important was in the process of me getting to the sports hub. Yep. Uh, Jimmy Stewart, 98.5, the sports up formerly of WEI and the highly rated wrestling inside the ropes podcast, uh, which I am able to join uh, once a month, which I have a lot of fun doing some chats coming in here. Uh, when do you think the revival will debut in AEW? If I had to guess, the revival pops up the next time that they start taping shows. I think AEW taped through April. Okay, so they're through April. So it'll be after that. Uh, did anyone throw stuff at you like Felger did to Adam Jones? I don't understand the question. <laughs> when Felger was at eight ninety, I guess he used to throw stuff at Jones. Uh, your favorite AEW wrestler, Jimmy. Oh, he called um he called Adam Jones intern Drew. Yeah, he called he called him Drew. <laughs> the wrong name. The wrong kid, too. Uh favorite AEW wrestler. 
Um, I like I like Penelope Ford the most. Um, I would say I would say on the male side, I would say it's Matt Hardy. Um, Sammy Guevara's excellent. I think I called him a tomato can the first night he he opened up <laughs> and fought Cody Rhodes. Um, talent there. Um, Penelope Ford, I think, is somebody who's going to be a breakout star in wrestling on the female side of thing once she starts getting more and more opportunities. I just think she's got so much talent, and she did a lot of good work in Beyond Wrestling um, locally. So I, I know. I know that in the opportunity she's succeed. All right, Jimmy, moving on here. Uh, WrestleMania, not in front of fans. I mean, I, I was, I enjoyed it for the simple fact that it was fresh content and the show must go on. Um, but what were your overall thoughts on that? And I know you have f- strong feelings on the Monday night raw after mania. What was your just overall take on both the three of those nights? I guess. All right, so night one, Lee, night two, um, I I think I said it was terrible, which was a little strong, but you got to be strong to emphasize the point. I Night two, I liked Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. Um, I didn't love the fact that Charlotte won that match because she didn't need to. You could have had Rhea Ripley beat Charlotte clean in the middle, and now – Charlotte has something to chase because Rhea Ripley would have beaten her twice. And Charlotte doesn't need the NXT title. I think Charlotte should be on SmackDown. I don't think she should be on NXT. But there are a lot of dream matches there for Charlotte to compete in. Uh, I like the Firefly Funhouse with Cena and Bray Wyatt kind of walking through John Cena's career. The NWO thing was uh, if... If Hogan had turned heel and people thought John Cena was the new Hogan, that was the play on. Interesting to know what John Cena's stable would be. But, um, you know, John had Villain Gear made. And um, they looked at the numbers and they're like, why are we turning John Cena into a bad guy? Because he's still our number one merchandise seller by far. And it's John Cena ever had a turning villain. Um, the Main event, nice to see Drew McIntyre win the world title. Um, I would have kept it on Brock because I think Drew deserves an in-person 80,000, 20,000 seat celebration. Um, I don't like the Raw after WrestleMania because I think that the writers are just doing it for that set of fans. So 51 nights a year, they're doing it for their big global production. But on this particular night, it's just to entertain the people there. Uh, Roman Reigns coming out the night after he beats The Undertaker, getting booed and just saying, this is my yard, dropping the mic and leaving. Like, that's how they're playing it. There was a story that was told to me that the only reason why Dolph Ziggler successfully cashed in the night after WrestleMania 29 in New York, and Dolph cashed in in New Jersey, I think it was, was so he would shut up the shut up the crowd about Dolph cashing in because they weren't going to push Dolph to the level that at the time he had the talent and the, and the, he still has the talent, but he had the fan support to be the next Shawn Michaels if they had promoted him properly. But there are people had Vince's ear, Triple H, who aren't fans of Dolph Ziggler and what he does. 
and were probably annoyed at that pop that he got when he came out. But, but that's an important, that's the, the loudest pop for a cash-in at the time. You can argue the Seth Rollins pop when he cashed in on Roman and Brock at WrestleMania 31 was louder. Uh, that is still the greatest cash-in ever. But as far as Dolph goes, Dolph had all the talent he had he had a lot of different factors. He had Big E and AJ Lee, so they put him with people. And the reason why he cashed in was the complete wrong reason to cash it in, not to shut up the fan, but to give the fans what they want. Maybe that story isn't true, but that's the story that I heard. Okay. Um, and just the Boneyard match, the Firefly Funhouse match, do you think that was similar to like the Hardy compound, the, the, the production that they did? And do you think we'll see that with AEW, obviously, with Jericho being invited there? So, yeah, they'll do um, Matt Hardy and Jericho in some sort of, um, I think they called it All Elite Deletion or something like that. So that'll be fine. But, yeah, they, they, have, they had a situation where they need to be creative with things and they can only have so many people. So the Undertaker-AJ match, I thought it was good drama. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was fun. And it's a way to keep The Undertaker doing matches. Now, I don't want to see another one of these until at least SummerSlam, which hopefully happens, or Survivor Series. But those done in the right instances, um, I think they're good things. I think they're good things to keep people interested in watching. And um, the Firefly Funhouse thing was just something to either continue a story or to hide that John Cena doesn't want to do a 25 minute match because he's lacking the confidence to be able to. Yeah. Um, obviously I, I go with you to WrestleMania. We go to many shows together. Um, you have, you have good relationships with wrestlers, but you cheer for certain wrestlers. And I, I was curious why, or, or is there something about a wrestler that you like to cheer from? There's certain people you like Charlotte, um, you like Matt Taven, you like, and I know you have a relationship with him, but like, what is it about certain wrestlers that you like? So generally like, um, a lot of times I will over cheer for a wrestler because I have some type of personal relationship with them, um, or an acquaintance with them. Um, you know, I'm over the top honkish for Charlotte because she has been so, uh, giving with her time. And Joe, you witnessed this at the WrestleMania post New Orleans party. Um, there's a there's a rib that she played on me that you actually have photo documentation of that will um, will release one of these days. Um, she's done a lot of nice things for me on a personal level, um, so that's why I'm over the top honkish for her. Um, Matt Taven is a local wrestler, works for Ring of Honor. Um, we just we met through Mike Bennett and Maria Canellis or Maria <laughs> Bennett now because they're married. Matt and I just we off. We're we're huge Celtics fans. Um, in the same way that uh, Eddie Edwards and I are huge Celtics fans. Um, but I I generally there there are times where I establish like this wrestler is like really good and connects to me. And um, if they're local, then I can kind of seek out and connect with them in some way and cheer for them. Um, you know, Ilya Markopoulos is a friend. 
Um, Brian Malonis is a friend and I can go through a few other different ones, but I don't want to shout out everybody. Um, but for me being a fan of a performer, it's not just like, Oh, they connect with me. But when I'm really over the top with somebody, it's cause I've had some sort of personal interaction with them. Like, um, John Cena, when he was on his first go around, he did an interview, uh, on Dale and knew me and we just kind of, um, connected in an acquaintance way and he's gone on to become a big star. I think it helps that um, at the time he came in, I'm like, oh, you know, you're going to be the next Ric Flair in the business. And um, ironically enough, I was right. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's good to hear because like, I, I always wonder sometimes like, what, what is it? What is it with this guy and Jimmy? You know, what, what, what does he like about this? You know, this wrestler and I, and all right, I, I, I get it. You, you, you answered it and you, uh, you know, you, you have good relationship and I want to ask you about the podcast in a little bit here, but, um, just, sure. you, so obviously you and Mike Riley have put this together. So I, you know, I, I did a podcast two years ago and, you know, Dan Lifshatz worked at the radio station. I knew he liked gambling. I like gambling. And we were like, dude, we should pitch a show. And it's funny. Cause I had Dan on the podcast this week and I don't really know, like me and Dan, like we're, we're, I see him twice a week. Like we're friendly. We've gone out with our wives, but like, I don't know Dan Lifshatz. Like, I, like it's like, I asked him questions this week and he like didn't have answers, you know, but like, I don't, it, we did a podcast and it's successful, right? He does his thing. I do my thing. It's two different personalities. It's been successful. And now it's a show on, on you know, there's so many wrestling podcasts, right? We got the mortgage guy in Alabama, right? There's the, the 83 weeks there's Jericho's, but there's so many podcasts, right? We got our buddy Sudi's now got a podcast, you know, just another podcast, but you know, I, you guys, you guys have a successful podcast. A lot of people listen to it. I listen to it myself and I like being a part of it, but you know, where, where does it go here? Like, is it just the following you have and people liking to you? Like what can be the next step? Like with Conrad and Bruce and guys like that, I don't know if it was advertising that blew them up or it was the content. I don't know. But like, they're so successful, Jimmy. The, these podcasts are like, the, you should see that, you know, when you see the downloads, the advertisements, like where do you see wrestling inside the ropes going? So for us to probably take the next step, it would be you have to find, does Pat Patterson want to do a podcast and tell stories? <laughs> It's yeah. the, the, the real money right now, it looks like is in nostalgia podcasts. So who's, who's the big name that's out there that can talk about wrestling in the eighties and the nineties and the two thousands, because the success of wrestling inside the ropes, quite frankly, is because, uh, 98.5, the sports hub, Felger, people know enough about me and my fandom for wrestling. See, I disagree that that has, I, I disagree with that. I don't want to cut you off. I think the success of it is because you guys talk current wrestling. I think you guys relate past to present and it's, you know, the average fan can understand that. So, so like, don't sell yourself short. You have a great platform to do this, but without that platform, it's still an informative and entertaining show. But without that platform, Joe, without the platform of the Sports Hub and the Felger and Maz show, like I could be pumping out great weekly podcasts 
and they're downloaded by five people because I've gotten my equipment at Guitar Center and nobody cares about some random jamoke who just spent $500 on a nice microphone, a mixer, and, you know, a podcast platform app. Yeah. But because of the sports hub and the show and the success of the station, they've taken a a producer who's a wrestling fan and, you know, enough people like the content where they keep coming back for it. Yep. And Mike, Mike's very good at, um, he knows his shit from the past. I will say that. And, you know, there's been times where, and I love Mike, we have to challenge him. I, I remember doing a show one night about NXT and saying how this is the best thing going. <laughs> And now Mike loves NXT. He thinks it's the best thing going. But like, I think that that's what wrestling podcast is. Is like, I, I like there's some things I'm not into, and then I listen to it. I'm into it, you know. And I think Mike's that guy, and, and I think you bring like the the knowledge and the passion, and this is the storytelling of it all. And I just think like you guys are a good fit for that. You push him. He pushes your buttons. And I just think it's it's a good podcast. So I'm not I'm not here to kiss your ass. I'm just telling you that I think you guys have the you guys are pushing the button on what's what's fresh. And I think that's what people want to talk about. And I think one of the things that we do do well is we're not just sitting there like recapping an entire show. Yep. When it's not germane to if if WrestleMania weekend has I would have pulled out some other things to talk about news-wise. It's what's interesting, what do we think people are talking about? And I think one of the important things is keeping it in a 40-minute to 60-minute block of audio because that's somebody's drive to work. That's somebody's workout. And pace is just so important. And, and, And using some of the radio ideas and concepts that I have and believe in about pacing things. Like I don't want to sit up on the counter and just put my feet up and be like, blah, 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 blah. And for those people who listen to the, to the wrestling podcast, like, you know, that there are times where I start to drift off and I'm like, sorry, I'm off topic. Let's get back to topic. And, because hey, I listen, just don't do, want to be that drifter, but I also try to tie everything in together because there's a story that might be germane to the subject at hand. Mm. And it's just keeping that short and within context. And it's also, I don't want to unload my entire bucket in one podcast because I want people coming back and being like, oh, wow, he had this piece of information that I hadn't heard anywhere else. Or he had... Um, this opinion that is unique to the show or like, you know, getting back to Riley for a second. I wish he was the anti NXT guy because then, then there's a debate point. Well, he doesn't um, like Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins right now. Still hated NXT. Well, Seth Rollins, so, you know, I was he, that same guy, you know? So he's out on Seth Rollins, right? And he was out on the match, but he had forgotten about that part and I could have pulled the audio, but I didn't. I just kind of, let him clear it up on the last podcast and you know, it wasn't as clear as it could have been or should have been. Um, no, I actually, you know, it's funny, you know, but you're I right. like, cause like, I, like, I don't want it. I don't want who gets the, you're right, James, you're right. Cause I, I don't want that. I don't think, think that that's like, but I also don't want it to be fake. I want it to be natural. Mm. I want it to be real. Like 
if there's a if there like I hate Walter, and the only reason why I hate Walter is because he beat Pete Dunne right in front of my eyes at NXT Brooklyn a year ago. Yeah. Like so, Walter can go to hell. Yeah, like I think Bailey sucks, and that that that's how I feel. I just think she's yeah, she's I boring. Mean, you know, I mean, and and her telling me to move out of the way when she, after she beat Charlotte right in, you know, but at the same time, if you get some vodka and Bailey, she's a good time. Well, I do. I think you guys are a good mix, and um, I think it's going to be. It is a successful podcast, and um, I think it'll be better. All right, I, a couple more things here. You just mentioned, oh, there's things you might not have gotten in. I didn't get this in on my last podcast yesterday. The brawl for all was this week. I enjoyed it. Um, I want to get brawl for all documentary on doc- Vice TV, Joe. There just you go. To be specific. Okay, and I did a whole recap if you want to watch yesterday's show on it. But my question is, I, I want to get your thoughts on it, and my question to you. If there was a brawl for all today, take Brock Lesnar out of it. Who would win in a brawl for all if they did it now? Um, Haku. <laughs> still, I know still? he's not currently in the roster, but um, yeah, Haku would kick everybody's ass. Um, Brock Lesnar is the obvious choice. Um, I now have to think about the roster. Like I mentioned Jack um, Swagger. Oh, Jack Hager, sorry. Um, you know Yeah, he would he would he would win. Uh he'd be at least in the finals, but uh, under the brawl for all rules, you have to figure out like who's got the Golden Gloves background or who can do takedowns. It's not just like a matter of who's the toughest, right? Cuz if it was who's the toughest, then you know, supposedly JBL could knock out everybody in the room hmm. or Steve Dr. Death Williams you know, however many years past his prime. Um, you know, Bart, that Bart Gunn part of the story is so interesting to me um, where he wins the thing and then he gets sent home and it's like, oh, we're going to feed you to Butterbean to kill your push or to kill your perceived push. And he writes a letter to Vince. But um, the brawl for all was just like, I wasn't into it because it was just all underneath guys. Um, and that just doesn't, like, I, I love Too Cold Scorpio, but he shouldn't be in it. Like, Dan Severn was smart enough to be like, this doesn't help <laughs> Yeah, me. this isn't good. Um, like, the, the Godfather, or Charles Wright, should should be in the finals there, but he got knocked out. Um, so it, it's it's literally you're throwing darts at the undercard. Um, so... I, I we talked before. Was there a nugget you had about that? So I still pick Haku to win the thing. You know, you know who actually like Braun Strowman or Big Show, somebody like that should win because you just can't you can't knock them out. You can't beat them up, but they're also not going to participate in it because they don't need to. Okay. Um, and finally, um, I know you on Felger and Madge, you guys get the big board happening this week. Whose idea was that to throw markers at a board? I feel like it was Bertrand's, but it 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 it's either Felger's or Bertrand's or both. I don't remember exactly. How successful um, is this thing? It's, it's something that when we get around draft time, I get text messages or tweets or emails being like, when are you starting the big board? For example, um, a friend of mine texted me Sunday and was like, 
how early are you starting the big board this year? And I go, well, we're actually doing it tomorrow. Uh, you know, tomorrow being this past Monday. And so we're going to ride out the big board, but it's something that's interesting. It's, it's just different. And that, and that, and that's part of the, and I think that's part of the reason why it's successful is that it's different. And Oh, by the way, we've hit on people like the Arkansas a-hole Jake Paquette. (laughs) Yes. Jimmy Garoppolo. We got Jimmy Garoppolo and Maz's reaction. And that's, that's the, that's the kind of the whole point of it. And that's kind of maybe the joy of it. Finally, Jimmy, before we let you go here, quarantine. This is what I call this segment. Uh, what are you doing at the moment with uh, quarantine? I know you're a family man and you got, you're actually essential. So you're going into, uh, into work every day, but is there any, what do you watch? Is it, is it all wrestling? Like what else do you do? Jimmy Stewart? Um, so I'm going to dig into Homeland because I've been a little bit behind on Homeland. Okay. Um, so I'll probably catch up on that at some point. What I found myself doing the teen time is so I don't do a lot of po- politics um, just because I, I don't care about your politics. You don't care about my politics and I don't want to be that person. But I do around election times. I'll spend about a week and do some background checks on this candidate or that candidate or things like that. What I found myself doing is I listen to the Trump press conference every day because I think it's the most interesting thing going right now. And it's because is Trump going to dump on some CNN reporter? Is he going to talk about some narcotics mission? Is he going to talk about some mission outside the country? Is he going to talk about gas prices? Is he going to talk about like what is going on in the world right now? Is Dr. Fauci going to come in and say something totally different than Trump is. You know, is there a, a connection of, of like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and they have connections to Fauci because Fauci's been there forever? Um, you know, who is Trump listening to? Why isn't he listening to this person? There's just, there's so much data and there's just so much like content. And if you think about like what's being said, how it's being said, where there are contradictions, where there are little battles going on. Like Obama hasn't supported Joe Biden. Why is that? If if you're interested in my theory on it, it's because Joe Biden's going to drop out and Michelle Obama is going to be the Democratic candidate to Whoa. go against Donald Trump. Whoa. When that happens, I don't know, but that's just a theory. If you're reading through some of the things that are going on um, in the world. So I go down all these deep rabbit holes on a political rabbit holes on the political side of things in this time and i read up on conspiracy theories and what does this mean and do you read into this and this super secret mission is actually going on i read all of that stuff because it's all fascinating to me i don't know what's right or wrong but i know that in the sports world the candy store there are a lot of similarities between how sports people handle the media and how news people handle the media. Awesome. So if there's that much of a discrepancy in the candy store, what kind of discrepancy is there in the real world? Interesting stuff there, James Stewart. Uh, our time is up. I know you have to go to work. Uh, what's going on on Felgrim Mass? Our time is up. My time is now. <laughs> you can't see me. My time is now. 
<laughs> Let's just leave on that note. All right, he is uh, James Stewart, 98.5 The Sports Hub. Wrestling Inside the Ropes, highly rated podcast, everybody. Check it out. Uh, Jimmy, appreciate the time today, and uh, I will share this with all your friends. <laughs> all right, he is uh, James Stewart. Thanks for your time today, uh, Jimmy. And uh, I'll wrap up this show quickly. I just wanted to uh, bring up a few things here before we get out of here. Brandon Cooks getting passed around, man. He's getting guys getting passed around like the bucket at church. Like how many different, how many different teams is this guy going to be on before it's all said and done? It's getting passed around like a blunt at this point. It's like a good one. You know, he gives you a good, gives you a good high. And then it's like, all right, let's move on from this dude. It's literally what it's like. So people want to shit all over Bill O'Brien and that's fine. Um, he's made a lot of d- dumb trades, but how about the Rams on this one? You know, they give up the, 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 the Jalen Ramsey stuff happened. So they have no first round pick. They traded the guy after March 10th. So they have what? 20 something million of cap space. They let go of Todd Gurley. So next year they're going to have 33 million um, against the cap. Like they're not smart. The Rams. So for everybody who wants to crap on Bill O'Brien, the Rams weren't smart at all. Um, when it came to this, the other thing is for me is, you know, David Johnson. And now you have Randall Cobb. And, um, and, and obviously, uh, Brent uh, cooks, is that better than what Hopkins was in fuller and those guys? I don't know. Interested to see what's going to happen. And then Deshaun Watson, right? He's a free agent. So, uh, we'll certainly see what that happens. Uh, just wrapping up quickly here. The horse tournament is this weekend. My favorite is Chris Paul. I'm glad to see Paul Pierce is in it. Um, and Chauncey Billups is another one. But I'm gonna go with Chris Paul to win. That's on Sunday on ESPN. I think they're zooming in on those, so uh, we can we can watch that live this week. And um, and one final thing, I saw that there was an abundance of of chicken wings <laughs> because there was no March Madness, so a bunch of places. There's just like an abundance of it. My here's my suggestion: put some go to Kowloon, right, and go get the. Uh, the Saugus wing sauce and just lather those babies up by like a, by like a gallon of Saugus wing sauce, go to whatever joint you want that has the best chicken wings and then just roll them in. Or you can just go buy Saugus wings yourself, whatever. Um, and I, I watched field of dreams last night and I can't get over shoeless Joe Jackson batting right-handed. It bothers me. It bothers me. That's really it for this weekend, everybody. Uh, Monday, we have a big, uh, big week next week. Uh, on Monday, I'll have Michael Connolly, uh, the formerly of the Boston Herald. He'll come on with us, get his thoughts on everything happening. He's an author. He's got a couple of books out, uh, wrote on the Boston Marathon and uh, did a book recently on the 1946 Red Sox. So we'll have him on. Uh, then we'll have more guys from the Sports Hub. And then next week, the following week is draft week. So I have Ted Johnson lined up, Mike Flynn lined up my buddy dr football he's in them like lockhart from the fantasy show and uh, working on another guest there so guests uh going on strong here for the next couple of weeks as we're in quarantine this was my first week hope everybody enjoyed it i'm going to try to get this up on uh up on a streaming site uh but i prefer to do the uh i prefer to do the video version of this all so thank you to everybody who joined today appreciate the time and we'll talk to you on monday i'm joe murray just sitting there See you then.